the Links and Locks podcast. podcast. Better than most. Better than most. Better than most. <laughs> winner, winner, chicken dinner. You got real talent. Don't concentrate on golf. Hello, you beautiful degenerates, and welcome to Links and Locks, the Action Network's golf betting podcast presented by Bet365. I'm your host, Roberto Arguello, and I'm excited to be joined by Nick Bretwish and Spencer Aguiar this week as we preview the final major championship of 2023. It's the 151st Open Championship as the world's best are at Royal Liverpool at Hoylake, England. The final major of the year. Rory McIlroy won here in 2014 for his only Open Championship win. He's coming off the Scottish Open win last week in dramatic fashion. What a tournament that was if you were up early enough to watch it. And it's going to be worth getting up again this week for the Open Championship. Fellas, I know we're really excited about this tournament. Got a lot of outright picks. But first, let's get into our best bets. Spencer, I'll let you start off. What's your best bet for the battle for the cleric jug. So I don't have a ton of action locked in at this point. I do think it'll be fun for the show because we can workshop through some of these wagers together. I didn't want to get stuck into action and then have the weather move on me last minute. Open championships are always very tough for that reason. I'm not necessarily somebody who puts a lot of credence into the weather, but this is the one week where it is going to be important. So I'm going to give an outright as my best bet. I would say that this is a placeholder until more information enters the market. I don't know if this is going to shock anybody. Jason Day, I got him at 125 to 1 to win the Open Championship. That number has moved a little bit over the past 24 hours, but anything in that triple-digit zone was still a highly enticing number for me. All right, so Spencer's going with his boy Jason Day. Been a little bit of a struggle for him since his win to Byron Nelson, but looking forward to hearing that cap in a moment. Nick, what's your best bet this week? Good to be back, uh, back in form now with hearing Jason Day on the podcast. So I love that. I will go to my conservative market always of the top 40. I'm going to go with Jordan Smith, top 40 at plus 190. Okay, a little bit plus money right there for your top 40 bet. And for my best bet, I'm going to go Tony Finau, 41st or better. Another one of Spencer's boys. But I love that. Before Finau, let's hear about why we like Jason Day to win outright this week, Spencer. Despite what everyone thinks, I don't bet Jason Day all that often. <laughs> I root for him. I want him to win. I thought he was the most mispriced player on the board when everything opened on Monday at 125 to 1. As I mentioned, we've seen that total drop at a handful of shops into more of that 100 to 110 to 1 range. If you really shop around, at least as of the time of recording right now, you can still find some 125 to 1 numbers sprinkled at specific locations in the space that have been slow to move. It just came down to my model believing Day was a 60 to 1 talent in this field. The weighted tee to green data was shockingly high for him, all the way to the point where I kind of thought I might have been filtering in some of my preconceived biases into the sheet. The par 4 scoring looked brilliant for the course specific answers that I ran. And then the scrambling landed third for this tournament. You know, it's tough to say at this point with where Day's playing and everything with this game, like I understand why this number has drifted a little bit, but you know, if we would have run this tournament two and a half months ago, three months ago, somewhere during this time frame where Day was excelling, like he's where Ricky Fowler is on the odds board here. And I'm not saying that's the correct number. He shouldn't be 20 to one in this field, but as a 60 to one type projected price in my model, where he's out there in the triple digit zone, 
the long-term data that I ran just loved him throughout almost all iterations of the market. He was one of the biggest climbers for me that I had when shooting this for pure upside. The safety numbers because of the recent form is where the concerns will come into play. And that's your, we talk about this all the time. This is your head to heads, your top 40 bets. Like, yeah, I would have some concerns in those areas where I'm not necessarily rushing out to bet him there, but if you want to bet him as a top 10, a top 20 and outright, like those are to me the most advantageous ways to try to get exposure today. I like, I like that. I got to play on a coming up in the, in a little bit. Sorry, go ahead, Nick. Yeah. I was going to say, um, I know Spencer's numbers. He runs them a little more uh, of a longer sample size. Mine are a little heavier on the recent form, but at worst, like with Jason Day's bad form, I punched the same ticket Spencer did. He gave me a heads up yesterday and I ran my numbers. I had Jason Day at 85 to one. So still to get anything, 110 and longer, I think, is something that I would fire on. I believe 110 is still in the market, but to get 125, I think that's um, it's a number grab. I wouldn't say it's a no brainer, but it's certainly a valuable number grab there on a guy that, you know, checks every single box that I was looking for this week. Spencer mentioned the scrambling. I'm very high on scrambling this week. Ball striking overall. I know you get have to take a longer sample size for Jason Day's positive ball striking accuracy off the tee and those mid to long irons. He checks every single box I'm looking for there. Yeah, I really like Jason Day as well. And guess what, guys? We're all on Jason Day. I didn't need the text. I punched a ticket as well. So let's <laughs> ride with Jason Day. Uh, Nick, talk to me about Jordan Smith. Yeah, so Smith is uh, – I had him priced at plus 140, so 50 points of value right there. And, and you know, enough. He checks every single box that I was looking for. Um, excellent form. He's long off the tee. He's accurate off the tee. He was top 10 at the Scottish Open in ball striking. He was top 20 in strokes gained off the tee. He was top 20 at the U.S. Open. Included there is five straight uh, finishes inside the top 40. So I love that. Playing with good fields here. Uh, really, the only concern is scrambling like we just talked about. But he his short game is trending in the right direction. He has gained strokes around the green in his past two tournaments. And for whatever it's worth, you know, the flat stick is kind of always going to let him down. He did have his best performance on the putting greens at the Scottish that he's had in his last six events. So 50 points of value on Jordan Smith. It's a guy I've kind of always kept an eye on at these overseas events. Englishman here, and uh, I'm going to ride the good form on a plus number there, damn near two to one. Yeah, and top 20 uh, at the U.S. Open, gained over two strokes on approach per round. So really strong form there on a tough test that a lot of people said was playing somewhat more like a Lynx golf course than you normally see at a U.S. Open. I like that one. I think that's a sneaky play. I might have to hop hop on that one as well for our first in the pod play and for my best bet i've got tony finau 41st or better and i'm also betting him in the outright market and something i'm really big on this week is total driving where it's a combination of both distance and accuracy because it's a big boy tournament it's a major championship you're gonna need to be long off the tee but it's really penal on this golf course at royal liverpool if you miss the fairways especially in certain spots there's been a lot made about the in course out of bounds uh, which is a stiff penalty for missing the fairway pretty close off the fairway in, a, in several spots. So it's going to be important to place the ball in the right spots. And if guys do take drivers off the tee, they need to be really accurate. So throughout my card, I've got guys who are really high in total driving overall. Of course, Tiger, I think, only took one or two drivers the whole week when he won here in 2006. Roy McIlroy took more irons off the tee than driver as well. Now they've redesigned the course since then, and they want players to take driver, but you're going to need to be really accurate with bunkers all around the landing area, and they are a stiff penalty. And then also other gorse bushes, and then we mentioned the in-course out-of-bounds. So Tony Finau, whom we mentioned on the show, more accurate than he has been in the past, 
with his driver this year, but less distance off the tee. Nonetheless, he's still 13th in total driving. And we've also mentioned linked golf history is very important for something like the Open Championship. And in six Open Championship appearances, Tony Finau has never finished outside of the top 28. I think he's playing as good a golf throughout this year as he has at any point in his entire career, already two wins on the PGA Tour season this year. Give me Tony Finau. I like him to have a high floor, but also a high ceiling this week. So I've got him at 65-1 outright, but my best bet is on him to finish 41st or better. That's at minus 120 with ties paid in full at bet 365. And Tony Finau, um, really strong with the irons this year. And throughout the bag, he's going to give himself opportunities. And he's one of the longer players where even on the par fives, uh, like the 18th hole, for example, if he needs to get there in two, he's one of the few guys in the field that I can trust to be able to get there uh, when the pressure is on. And we've shown that with him taking down John Rahm in Mexico earlier this year, he's a little bit more clutch than people have realized. And he's got great open championship history. So I like him a lot this week. I think it's an interesting take on, on this tournament because you're going to hear about the weather. You're going to hear about the scrambling and all of that matters. And it's something that I weighed very heavily into my model, but that total driving factor, just because of all the out of bounds that does come into play, as you said, a lot of them are right off directly off the fairway. Uh, you have some other locations where you have to kind of traverse your way through and a, a miss is very penal here for, for what could happen. And I ran a total driving portion of my model where I essentially took a 55 45 split of accuracy over distance. Now you can make an argument that you should maybe go a little bit higher than that for the accuracy route. The one reason why I didn't is because this is a club down spot, as you talked about with Tiger and like Rory did the same thing during his win. You kind of have to be cautious off the tee. And I don't know if the data in some of these locations, like you can go course by course and kind of try to find some corollary comps here, but you don't necessarily find these great situations where you can figure out what a club down situation looks like with some of these numbers. So I didn't want to overly weigh a model where I got too much into accuracy to where, you know, this is a player I like this week, but like a golfer, like Brian Harmon, all of a sudden becomes number one in my model. Like I'm trying to avoid that. We still know that distance will always be a prerequisite that ends up helping, but Fina was ninth in my model for total driving. Um, that's one of the reasons why I like Jason day this week, the two year perspective that I ran on him, put him at seventh. And then uh, number one for me, which we'll get to later of why I ended up liking him, Patrick Cantlay. I kind of think that everybody says that the two best drivers of the ball for this course would be Scheffler and Hovland. They're second and third for me. Cantlay ended up being number one. Like, there's kind of this preconceived notion with Cantlay right now where everybody's off of the train with him. But I, I think there's some really interesting numbers out there when we get into the outright market. I agree that Kenley is very interesting. So before we get into our outright cards, Spencer, let's continue to dive in on the golf course and what else you weighed in your model besides that total driving number. Yeah, I, I thought this was a really tough course to handicap for a lot of reasons here. Um, we've already talked about Tiger Woods and Rory McIlroy of how they went through. They implemented this very safe strategy off this tee. We saw them club down quite frequently. I do have to say that I struggled with what to do with my projections from there. It's definitely going to be a genuine link style golf course that helps marginally in recreating an expectation with some of the metrics. You get these impactful sand dunes and thick layers of rough throughout all of that continues to accentuate the need to find fairways from every answer that I've kind of talked about so far on the show. But the one key to this, and I would say the one quirk would be that this is an extremely flat golf course. 
Uh, it possesses a crazy amount of out of bounds off the tee. So you get flat, but you also get risk that comes into play. Um, I think the longest and the straightest player is probably the one that wins. We could also say that about any golf course on tour. I just think Lynx golf is so hard to handicap and so difficult for us to have a conversation because of this wide open nature of the properties where there's not this tree line protection. If winds do blow and they always are going to on the coast, there's nothing to stop the gusts. It's why tee times matter. Different waves can get demolished and taken out of the event if they land on the wrong side of the draw. All of that compounds the issues for me since I've kind of already talked about this and I talk about this every single week. I'm not one that overly places stock into weather in most occurrences. I do believe that you should expect similar expectations from last week when we look into the large green complexes, the need to scramble. I care more than anything else about some of that stuff than the driving metrics that we have talked about, just because that there's going to be some flaws in the expectation of how you run a model. But, um, you know, I think some combination of a player that can be safe when he needs to be aggressive when it comes into play on some of these par five or scorable holes, the shorter par fours, uh, good scrambling numbers, positive trajectory in those various outlets that you're looking for, for ball striking. That's the player who's going to win the event this week. It's just a lot more difficult to traverse through right now when we're still trying to figure out what the weather is going to look like in, you know, 24, 48 hours from the time of us recording the show. And uh, that's one of the key reasons why I just don't have a massive card from an outright perspective. I had to put in wagers because numbers are going to move before I could get to them. I think in some of these other markets, I can be slightly more patient and let things materialize um, until I lock in some of these bets. And in addition to waiting to figure out exactly what other bets you want to place, some of those markets just aren't available right now. For sure. And we often talk about the uh, placement market bets where you can go minus 120 over under a certain finishing position on bet 365, like that Tony Finau over under 41 and a half, basically. Uh, there not, are not nearly as many players in that market available as of our recording on Tuesday morning uh, than when we normally record on Tuesday nights or even later in the week uh, once tea times have now been available, have now been published and they're going to be even more there's going to be more certainty with weather and players being paired up uh, in those markets. For example, matchups who are in the same tee time or tee time waves. Nick, what else stood out to you about the golf course uh, that Spencer didn't touch on? Uh, anything else you're weighing in your model? More than- no, really. Uh, it's it's pretty simple for me. I build mine around Spencer's pretty much every single week. But yeah, I, I'm glad Spencer talked about the scrambling. I haven't heard a ton about that this week. We know how penal the uh, the rough's going to be, so accuracy off the tee. I do think a guy like Finau, too, as much as this course does call for driver now that it's kind of been lengthened at 7,300 yards and now a par 71, I think Tony Finau could hit that driving iron all day long and be just fine. So I love that ticket. I punched that ticket as well. But for me, it's ball striking form and guys that can scramble and have a little bit of a past at uh, Open Championships. Outside of Hideki Matsuyama, I did get to him at 80-1. to 1. Again, a number grab, but he has struggled at Open Championships, so I kind of went against my own grain on that one. Hey, sometimes the number's just too good, right? So Yeah, I um, love Hideki, too. I had to. I, I punched a 100-1 to 1 ticket on him pretty quickly on Monday morning. Nice. That I thought was pretty rogue. Um, fellas, let's get into those outright cards. And Nick, I'll uh, send it your way here. All right, my first outright... It was Jason Day, um, so we already talked about that, but I went down the board for the most part. I think the shortest player I have right now is 
Kyle Morikawa at 35 to 1. Other than that, I have 0.8 units at risk in the outright market. So that leaves me with, you know, anywhere from 0.2 to 0.7 to use in play. Honestly, my the guy that I like the most, I think I want to watch in play. I was very close to getting there with John Rahm at 13 to 1 kind of a, a sleeping giant for this tournament. I do think his game has kind of been up and down, but what we saw at the U.S. Open and his ability to scramble historically and what he does off the tee, I think it's a really good spot for John Rahm. No one's really talking about him, but a 13-1, to 1, I just really couldn't get there at the moment. Tail John, Tony Finau, I mentioned Hideki at 80-1. to 1. So the two long shots that I have that grade extremely well for me in comparison to the market, I got Tony Gooch. At 90 to 1, or Taylor Gooch, I'm sorry, at 90 to 1, and Harris English at 250. Harris English does have significant open championship history, but it was years ago back when he was healthy and more of an elite ball striker. I absolutely love his scrambling. We've seen the ball striking peak a little bit earlier this uh, this spring there in May when he uh, played really good at the Wells Fargo. It's been a little bit uh, U.S. Open. He did finish inside the top 10. That was more with the flat stick damage that he did there. But if he can get those irons working just a little bit, he's so accurate off the tee. He's really good off the tee in general with club down spots. I think Harris English is a is a player to watch here. Does he actually win at 250 to one? Probably not. But I had that at 190 to one. So I took the 60 points of perceived edge on that one. And uh, other than that, I... I don't know what to do at the top of the board. I know Spencer likes Cantlay. He grades extremely well for me, too. I, I really like Fino. I think if I had to choose one outright, if that was the name of the game, one outright, one price, I would take Fino at 60 to 1 all day long. That is music to my ears. And I also bet uh, Harris English as a future about a month ago at 150 to 1, but I did get him again at 250 to 1 this week. So got to go back on, on principle there if you took 150. Yeah, I, I think he sets up well here. It's just what. Harris English iron player are we going to get this week and if it's upside then 251 is a terrible number and we'll take that all day long if it's bad we you know what do you put at risk to to stay profitable I guess over the long-term sample size I have a 0. 0.8 0.08 unit risk on his outright so it's you know it's nothing but if it happens it's a huge year for us so let's do it it's always awesome seeing the majors come around because you get such good players that you'd never see at such long odds and yep. It's always super fun pressing a bet on anybody at 200 plus to one, in my opinion. Uh, Spencer, who do you got this week? And talk to me about how Patrick Cantley could finally knock down the door and get that first big time win. Yeah. So before I even give any plays, I, I do want to mention and, and give Nick some credit for this. So historically, and if you go back and you listen to a lot of these shows, like whether or not Nick actually has a ticket on the player. And I think Rory McIlroy is a, a good example of that last week. Nick always gives ah, you these little tidbits that, yeah, this is the player he likes. He thinks he's the best bet on the board. I, there's a very similar answer given this week about John Rom. So uh, I think that's an interesting thing out there for anybody listening because Nick has historically been really good in those situations um, there. So good call on Rory last week, Nick, even if it didn't come to fruition with you actually having <laughs> no, a ticket. No on ticket. It, but... I, got, I got nothing to show for it, but I appreciate it. That's the problem with some of these markets that we've talked about in general is just the value is getting completely condensed out of the space in these spots where, you know, if Rory could have been four points higher, all of a sudden you're all in on the bet, but you know, you just can't get to that spot. And it's like, it is what it is, unfortunately with it. And I would say that there's a very similar situation that comes into play this week, probably where I don't know who you guys think should be the favorite. I mean, I know what the market is saying right now, but I think Scotty Scheffler at those eight to one prices is actually probably a value. 
I'm not going to get there in the market. Like essentially for me, it was either I could take all the bets that I made for the same exposure at risk, or I could bet Scotty Scheffler at eight to one. We've talked about this a million times. I'm not the person and the, the three of us in general are not the people that are going to be betting somebody sub 10 to one in a major championship. But I do want to throw it out there that I think Scheffler has a really big chance to win this tournament. Like if you look at what he's done, and I just want to provide one stat very quickly. He has 19 consecutive finishes inside the top 12. That dates back to the CJ Cup in October of 2022. That's a wild statistic. That's something that you would expect from Tiger Woods to be putting together. And Scheffler hasn't necessarily equated that to victories, but I think these slower surfaces, these large green complexes where he can use his GIR percentage and then his ability to lag putt on this putting nature, really good course fit for him. Just wanted to mention why I like Scheffler and why he might end up destroying the board. I did decide to start with Xander Shoffley at 25 to 1. That price drifted at some books into the 30s Monday morning. It's held steady at a few locations. I think it's more readily available right now at 28 to 1. That was a bet that I placed last week when I did the gimme with Jason Sobel. We talked about potential ads to make the week before the Open Championship. You know, sometimes you get the best of the numbers. Other times you don't. But the high-end nature of my sheet that Shoffley is exuding makes any of those price point answers a potential consideration because of the inflation we have gotten. My math is a big believer that most tracks in the world would allow value on Shoffley when he sits 25 to 1 or higher. Um, these courses that reduce off the tee prowess and enhance short game will always take that belief to a new level. Shoffley places one of only two players in this field to rank in the top 10 of all six key metrics I ran this week. I will get to the second name shortly. I've already talked about him previously, so that's not going to be a shock, but I just feel like this is a situation where the market is starting to overreact to the lack of win equity. A few of these names have demonstrated recently. Like, it's really interesting. If we look at, and Cantley's the next play that was one of the guys who ranked in the top 10 of all six categories. But if we look at Tommy Fleetwood, for example, and I like Tommy Fleetwood this week, Tommy Fleetwood hasn't won a golf tournament himself, but all of a sudden he's a 20 to one golfer now. We give the same answer with Shoffley and Cantley. They're not winning golf tournaments, but now we see Shoffley and Cantley moving from numbers that were in the 14s, 15s, 16s for all these big tournaments to now they're 25, 28, 30 to one. I grab Cantley at 28 to one. Like I'm going to understand the frustration that comes into play back in Cantley pretty much better than anyone else. I seem to have a ticket on him almost every single tournament for the past six months and it's never worked out for me, but I do think that if he's going to win a major championship, that an open championship is what suits his game best. The data in my model generated this really shockingly high ceiling when comparing it to the prices that you can find him for in the space. He landed first in my model for expected strokes gain total. That's going to be the key to this whole equation here. He was first for par five birdie or better percentage, first for total driving, which I talked about previously. My math thought the pure price should have been closer to 22 to one when considering everything. Uh, it just comes down to this is the epitome of what I talked about a second ago of the market overreacting to someone that I don't even believe is playing poorly past a few recent mistakes that he has made. I grabbed Tyrrell Hatton at 33 to one. That was before the Scottish Open. That was another bet that I gave over with Sobel. This would be where I got the better of the number. This is more in the 25 to one range right now at most locations. Recent form has seen him generate eight consecutive top 27 finishes. Four of those results have landed in the top six. Given this answer numerous times, but I remain extremely bullish that I do think a career altering win is going to be around the corner. I took Max Homa at 60 to 1. You know, Homa kind of reminds me of Wyndham Clark when he won the US Open. So, 
you know, if you look at what Homa has done in a major championship, he hasn't rendered a top 10 finish in 16 attempts. I would say most of those results have been when I wouldn't say Homa is the talent at this point of when he was producing a lot of those finishes. Like I throw out the first nine and just say, let's forget about those. Wyndham Clark had a very similar answer at the U.S. Open when he hadn't been inside the top 75 in six different major attempts. Um, as I said, I don't want to count anything pre-2022 for Homa since, um, you know, he didn't have a finish better than 40th in any of those situations. But five of seven made cuts over the last two years of Grand Slams. The 13th at the PGA Championship would be the crown jewel for him. And when I ran this from an upside number and I got rid of some of these like back end parts of the equation here, like Xander, Cantlay, Cameron Smith, Scotty Scheffler, John Rom, Rory McIlroy. There's a couple other names there. Homa kind of fit into that next range where there's value on that 60 to one number that, you know, he was a 30 to one golfer at LACC just a month ago. I know there was a lot of course history that we were talking about there of why that came into play, but I would argue that this is a better course fit for him, regardless of whatever he had put together. And then the last play, no need to talk about it further. Jason Day at 125 to one. Anything in that hundred to one range is still a very uh, enticing price for, out there to consider. I I love that home ticket. I'm gonna hit that as well as an in pod play. But I mean, what he finished T12 at the Scottish Open and his ball striking was awful. If you just look at his historic profile on who he is as a ball striker, that scrambling is, you know, he was 12th in scrambling last week. If the ball striking shows up at all, he's right there with Rory. So I think 60 to one when, like you said. A month ago, he was 30 to one to win the U.S. Open. I think that's a no brainer ticket. I absolutely love that play. Nick, I just want to add one more thing to that, because I think that's a really good point that you just brought up. And, and I've talked about it on this show previously. If you look at the U.S. Open, the Travelers and the Rocket Mortgage, obviously he missed the cut at the Travelers in the U.S. Open. He came 21st at the Rocket Mortgage. That U.S. Open and Travelers missed cut. The ball striking for him in those two tournaments should have had him inside the top 30 going into the weekend. Instead, he misses the cut because the scrambling and the putting and the around the green numbers went south. Very similar answer at the Rocket Mortgage when he came 21st. My model thought he should have been a top five performer in that tournament. Uh, once again, the short game metrics that we would normally expect from him didn't come to fruition. Now, all of a sudden, last week at the Scottish Open, the script flips on him and he can't really ball strike in. All the scrambling numbers come together. The second he puts all of this together, I do think he has legitimate win equity to, to win this contest. And 60 to one is too high of a number. Like I had a more in the 40 to one range. And if I'm really running this for upside, I could push this more. Like I, I thought 30 to one was value at the U S open when I punched that ticket. And if I'm saying that's even better, like the upside numbers of my model as outlandish of a comment as that is, I think he's a fringe 30 to one player. If you're just shooting for pure upside here. Yeah. I love it. It's the, uh, the reverse Keith Mitchell from last week. Oh my God. That was something else. <laughs> No oh, man. <laughs> so i've got a couple things i want to respond to um so nick yes homa did finish t12 last week um second welcome to the colin morikawa bandwagon uh i didn't think anybody from the show would be on it this week but welcome nick i want to i want to hear more about yeah. that morikawa pick it's a number grab i i don't i think i put them as the uh the biggest bust in our article too so it's like i, I had that. the outright ticket for a little <laughs> bit of coverage there well my numbers here what do they have matt i got morikawa at 25 to one so at the top of the board with anybody you know greater than three percent win equity morikawa had the biggest edge that i could have on the board so i was like okay well i'll take morikawa i know he's got the open championship history as well on paper 
it fits his game extremely well. I guess the scrambling woes scare me a little bit, but with how good of an iron player and how good he is off the tee, it, it makes a lot of sense that this is a really good spot for him. So at the end of the day, I, I played the number because my numbers say to play it as much as I'm not really a Morikawa guy. We talk about it every single week, how that's usually a fade for us. So in uh in my written work, I had to stay true to that. But for the bankroll management, I did take Morikawa at 35 to one hand up. I did it. He's quietly gained strokes putting in four consecutive events, of course, coming off of that loss in the playoff to Ricky Fowler at the Rocket Mortgage Classic, ball striking it to death as he, as he normally does. Uh, I haven't punched a ticket on him, but I'm very intrigued by him uh, with the driving accuracy and elite approach play combination that's going to play. The question is, he plays that stock baby cut all day. Could he get blown off the golf course? on one nine where he's going straight into the wind at the wrong time. We'll see. Um, getting into my outright card, you guys have touched on the majority of it. Uh, surprisingly, we didn't talk about this beforehand, but I also have Max Homa really love the total driving, love the upside he possesses. And like we mentioned last week, didn't even hit the ball well on approach and still found a way to finish T12. There are a lot of different avenues for him to play well here. I think he's an interesting person to back in several different markets, maybe a top 40 or a matchup bet if you uh, can find a good number or someone you want to fade in a matchup. Uh, but getting into my full outright card, I have Patrick Cantley. I got him at 35 to one, but I still like him at 28, which is available out there. Um, you get the, the nail on the head, Spencer. How are guys like a Tommy Fleetwood priced ahead of him when Patrick Cantley has been playing great golf lately? He hasn't won, but the metrics are still really strong and he's, First in total driving, not only in your model for how you ran it, but for the PJ Tours total driving statistic for the entire year. Uh, Link's history, he missed the cut last week, which is why we're getting a better price on him this week. But in 2022, T4 at the Scottish Open, T4 at the Open at St. Andrews. Very different course, but still has shown that he can succeed in Link style golf. He's got two top 12s in just four Open Championship starts. So not a ton of Link's golf history for him, but not poor history either among that sample size. Uh, Max Homa, 28th on tour in total driving. Again, a lot of ways for him to do well this week. Uh, player, One of the few players I'm betting on who is a really strong putter. Um, Tony Finau, we mentioned 65-1, to one, never finished outside the top 28 in six open appearances. Also mentioned Jason Day. Also mentioned Hideki Matsuyama, a guy who is accurate off the tee, not as long as many of the other elite players, but that approach play and, of course, the short game, which his is very elite, um, gives him a chance. I know that he hasn't really figured out Lynx golf yet. Um, and you could say that might be a somewhat of a theme for some of the Korean Japanese players who are more used to the Parkland golf course. And Osung Im has some staggeringly long numbers. I believe I've seen him at 150 to one. Um, so those are intriguing because those are guys I don't necessarily think are great fits for Lynx golf, but they're great golfers whom I trust. And so, Worth a play for me on Matsuyama at 100 to 1. I still like him at 81 out there. I also bet Corey Connors at 100 to 1, 40th in total driving on tour this year. And he's gained strokes off the tee in 11 consecutive tournaments. So just a really strong player. I think he fits the mold of what Victor Hovland does, just really long and straight off the tee. It's these lasers out there that are going to be, are going to hold up in the wind. And the same with his approach shots. Um, so I think he's got a lot going for him in what I like of Victor Hovland and like a Brooks Kepka with the penetrating ball flight. 
Um, also 12th in strokes gained tee to green this year, 18th on approach or sorry, 11th on approach, 18th off the tee and average or above average on every single proximity distance, uh, that's available on the PJ tour website. So strong throughout the bag. We're not completely sure exactly where guys are going to lay up, where they're going to go for it. So not completely sure. Cause we've never had strokes gain data on this golf course before. So that gives me some safety and, there's a reason why I'm going to go back to that a little bit later in the placement markets. And then finally, I also bet Harris English mentioned the futures and also this week at 250 to one, in addition to that 150 to one. And I finally also have a 150 to one ticket on Siwoo Kim guy. Who's won some big time tournaments already winner on the PGA tour this year at the Sony open 24th in total driving so far this year on the PGA tour. He's the shortest knocker among the guys I bet on this week, 124th in driving distance this year, but 10th in driving accuracy and really strong on approach, including from 150 to 200 yards is really his sweet spot and ball striking top 30 in strokes gained off the tee and approach this year. So really strong player. Siwoo Kim doesn't have the name value that a lot of the other guys do in this field, but at 150 to one, I'll take that all day long. Fellas, any reactions to anybody else's outright cards that we haven't touched on yet? A couple things I would like to touch on what you said. I think the Connors comment that you made of him being Hovland like or like cheap Hovland in the outright market here. I think it's an interesting comp uh, for him. And I, I don't know if I necessarily believe he's going to win the golf tournament, but uh, I considered him also when I initially started running my model, like some of the back end stuff that I put into it, he slipped ever so slightly to where I, I eventually got him off of the consideration of my card. But uh, I like him. I don't know exactly the best way that I want to use him, but that's somebody that I would keep in mind this week. Um, the question I wanted to ask both of you guys, and then I guess I'll segue it into a, a matchup because you talked about this Roberto with Homa here. Uh, first question with Cantlay. Let's say hypothetically last week at the Scottish, he would have come in P13. We'll just give him one of those like very Cantlay-esque finishes there. What do you think Cantlay is on the odds board with a 13th place finish last week? I'll go for, I still think he's right around 20. I mean, how much win equity can go up there when the books are going to respect Scotty Scheffler and Rory McIlroy that much. So I'd say 20 at the shortest. I mean, that's still a big move though, from like the 28th to the 20. I mean, like that's yeah, a substantial no. movement that that eight points is not quite the same eight points as you would get from a 50 to a 58. Correct. Yes. Agreed. Yeah. I would guesstimate somewhere in that 20 to 25 range. I was going to say somewhere between 18 to 22. And, and I consider that to be a very large movement. Uh, if I could always grab a guy that I had properly priced in the 22 to one range, and I'm getting him at 28 to one, like sign me up for that all day. I think that's why we have this enhancement price that we do on Cantlay. And, and it's really more than just the Scottish Open also. This has been going on for a really long time. This, this has been so many months in a row where he's being priced in the teens He's really not competing to win golf tournaments. And I think everybody's frustrated at this point, but I'm just going to continue trusting the data at a tournament that I do really believe he has upside for. And then the last point that you mentioned, Roberto, with Homa, I do think there's a lot of interesting ways to consider him in the market. And I've been trying to figure out what's the best way that I want to back him further than just, I guess, an outright wager here. And you'd have to shop around to find this wager um, inside of the space, but I'd like to get both of your guys' gut initial reaction. This was one of the plays I was going to workshop with you guys. Max Homa plus 105 over Justin Thomas. Initial thoughts on that. What do you think? Nick? I'm in. I'm in anything Max Homa. And Justin Thomas is still kind of just a mixed bag for me. So I will, 
I'll bet on the come that uh, Max Homa's ball striking certainly shows up. And like Spencer said, if he puts it together, it's a lethal player for this course and any course in the PGA Tour, in my opinion. I really like JT, but his game isn't in great form right now. And like we just said with Max Homa, how he can piece it together. Justin Thomas can break it apart in any different way. He could ball strike it really well and screw it up with his putter. He could lose a bunch of strokes around the green. The approach play might not be there or the driving accuracy might not be there. There are just so many things that could go wrong. I think I really like that one uh, at plus. I don't one, like, I think I like he, that. One. I don't like the headspace either. Just change the left-hand low putting. Like historically he was a, a good putter on the PGA tour. So something's going on. Obviously if he doesn't trust his putter stroke that he's had damn near his whole life and he goes a left-hand low this close before a major, that's just a little alarming as a like the mental capacity there right now and, and like being a golfer myself obviously not a professional or anything like that but like just knowing when you're going through a change or you just change it up that quickly right like the, something you're a head case at that point and it's probably not going to work out especially when you know 60 percent of this field is in great form and an elite field for that yeah i i don't i don't hate justin thomas for kind of some of the reasons that you guys said that there are certain characteristics to his game Number one in my model in strokes gain total and wind. You know, we've seen that historically. We I I think that if you look at a tournament like the players championship, you know, that's another venue where it reduces off the T prowess. We saw him win that a handful of years ago. So anytime that you get this reduction off the T, it does help Thomas a little bit when he can club down in these spots. But I think Nick's point is ultimately kind of where I was thinking with it. It's just he is so off right now with so many areas of his game on a course where you really need to be strokes gain total from like, I always give the T to green answer. I, like this is more than that. Like you're going to have to put all four phases of the game together and the blow up potential that Thomas has, even if he puts it together for the first two days, I, I could see this being a situation where it falls apart on the weekend for me. So uh, it was a number grab more than anything. I, I thought a proper price should have been more in the minus minus one twenty five range. So you know, technically I have 30 points of value on that ticket there. Um, it, it's just, it's just a number grab on a golfer that I don't think you should be the underdog against Thomas. And I think Thomas is getting a little bit too much name recognition in that spot. In six open championship appearances, Justin Thomas has one finish better than 40th. And that was uh T 11 in 2019. So hasn't been playing, hasn't historically played great, his best golf at the open championship in the past. Uh, something else to consider for that bet. Um, but while we have a moment, as a reminder, the Links and Locks podcast is proudly presented by Bet365, the world's favorite sportsbook brand. Sign up with promo code ACTION to get Bet365's exclusive sign-up offer, bet $1 on any game, and get $200 in bonus bets. Must be 21 or older. Offer is available in Colorado, New Jersey, Ohio, Virginia, and Iowa in the U.S. Gambling problem? Call or text 1-800-GAMBLER. All right, fellas, I got one more uh, bet to workshop with you guys. I found Colin Morikawa at minus 110 in a tournament matchup against Jordan Spieth. Haven't mentioned Jordan Spieth's name on this podcast. Nick, I know you like Morikawa. Any thoughts on Jordan Spieth this week and this bet? Ah, I don't know. Jordan Spieth always scares me. I know his game's kind of like Justin Thomas's right now, kind of all over the place. Um, I, no comment. I'll, I'll pass to Spencer on that one. And I don't think I'd be going out of my way to go either side there. I don't know if I've ever given, or I mean, if I have, it's been very few. I don't know if I've given tons of great comments about Morikawa on this show. I think that's a really intriguing price, Roberto. Um, 
I know Nick said that his fade was Morikawa in the Action Network Best Bet article. Uh, mine was Jordan Spieth. Oh, so, okay. So I, I kind of like Morikawa a, a little bit here. Um, I don't necessarily think from an outright perspective I, I can get there. Like what I have to be a proper price just never equates what it is. Like I think he's one of those golfers that does get overly reduced down on the odds board and, and Jordan Spieth would give the same answer just because of where books know the public will go with those two. Those are two very conventional names that people like to bet, which is why when you put them together, all of a sudden, I do think it's an intriguing sort of a wager to try to find value for. Um, I wouldn't necessarily say that Spieth is like the biggest fade candidate that I have. I know he's been great at open championships. He's won open championships. Uh, but when we're looking at players, if we want to say, you know, sub 40 to one, sub 45 to one on these boards. Spieth was technically the most mispriced player I had on the board. And while Morikawa was mispriced, it wasn't so much so to where all of a sudden, you know, my model thought it should be more in like the minus 125 range. So I had about 15 points of value if I'm running specifically Morikawa versus Spieth there. I think that this open championship is less wide open off the tee compared to similar ones compared to recent ones in the past, especially last year at St. Andrews and Jordan Spieth, not very accurate off the tee. Colin Morikawa, one of the most accurate off the tee. We don't typically get these matchups where players are differing in key metrics like driving uh, accuracy. So I was surprised to see this one available, but Jordan Spieth also no worse than a T44 in uh, nine different open championship starts. So high floor there um, with his course history. We know the short game is immaculate for him. I just know that the six out of bounds, in course out of bounds that are on the course, they might not get him on Thursday. They might not get him on Friday. It's just going to be even more soul crushing if and when it happens on Sunday when he's in contention, but it's going to happen. And he's going to yell at Michael Greller and it's going to be a sight to be seen. But I don't trust Jordan Spieth off the tee on this golf course. I think that once you get him in the fairway, I love him and I love his chances everywhere in scoring and getting, once he gets close to the green and close to the hole, but Colin Morikawa playing some really good golf, striking the ball. Well, the putter seems to be coming alive. I like Colin Morikawa in this matchup. I'm just not sure that I can punch his ticket against Jordan Spieth in the open, even with uh, the recent, even with this being a little bit tighter off the tee and him losing uh, strokes on approach in his last two tournaments. Uh, with the miscut at the U.S. Open and the Scottish Open. Can I give you one thing to try to push you in the direction of potentially punching the ticket? And uh, we'll leave this nameless of books out there. But um, I just went through to figure out if that matchup was available at different shops throughout the locations here. And it is at a couple places. And that number has already drifted out to minus 130 for Morikawa. So, I mean, that kind of goes in the range of what I was saying of like 125 being what my accurate price was. Uh, I think at 110, there is value in that number based off of where that total is at uh, whatever book that is out there. All right, I'm in. Speed three missed cuts in his last four starts. The T5 sprinkled in there at the Memorial as well. He can win the tournament, but the floor is lower than a lot of these other top tier guys. Uh, you can put it on a, a little tab. If it goes wrong for some reason, I think Nick has a two year tab running with me on all the web Simpson wagers. So I'll pay everybody out at some point. Fellas, <laughs> do we have any other uh, placement market or uh, matchup bets or any other bets besides outrights? So, uh, we'll start with you, Nick. I do have, let's see. What did we say here? I mentioned the, 
Harris English. Did I mention Harris English top 40 uh, plus no. 230? And no. then, uh, so well, Harris English plus 230 in the top 40 market. I have that at plus 190, so 40 points of value there. And I went up the board a little bit at Taylor Gooch top 10 at six to one. And the last ticket in the placement market, I'm very interested to get your guys' opinion on this guy because I don't think anybody in the world will mention his name this week. Davis Riley, top 40. That is something that uh, ties are paid in full at plus 275. My numbers seem to think that Davis Riley is a decent course fit here as well. Um, played pretty decent at the Scottish, so we'll, we'll take the number grab. I had Davis Riley right around where Abe Answer was, and that should be right around plus 230. And it seems if you look at, you know, multiple sports books across the space, they have that matchup pretty much heads up, too. So I did like the difference in pricing in the placement market there for Davis Riley. Yeah, I mean, the form has turned around for Davis Riley over this past month here. The weighted proximity looks good. Um, he sees a positive trajectory in my model when you give him some of these similar green complexes. Um, I, I think he, I think he's interesting at that price for sure. You know, I'm a sucker for Davis, Davis Riley, especially after what he did last week in the first round at the Scottish Open. So I'm all about it. I'm at, yeah. I'm adding that one as an impod play as well. Yeah, uh, I and I'm probably adding Tony Finau 41st or better from you, Roberto. So I think there's a lot right. of mutual stances that we're all on this week. And then just to workshop through a couple other wagers, obviously I wanted to talk about that Homa over JT bet. Um, I guess simple yeses or nos on these are would be sufficient um, to get through these. Brian Harmon, 55th or better on bet 365. This was the first bet that didn't make my card. So I was considering it, but I did not bet it. Um, the lack of distance off the tee scares me this week, even though he is very accurate. So it, it's a pass for me. And I know he's had really strong putting metrics the last couple of weeks. I'm, it's, it's a pass. I, I don't love where the market is moving with him in various spots. It's more so lining up under your answer there. And I think a lot of square money has entered the mix with him. And it's not like they put this at, you know, 42nd or better. And all of a sudden it's like, now we're in a spot at, in my opinion, the way I'm viewing this at 55th or better, it does feel a little bit trappish, which is why I have not placed that wager yet, but I'm curious to hear Nick's thoughts on it. <laughs> you want to hear my thoughts on Brian Harmon? I mean, you might like him now. He's good. 0% chance. I like him. I will fade with <laughs> Roberto double down. Next question. All right. Uh, I'm sure you guys will be in on this one based off of previous conversations. So we won't spend too long on it. Jason Day plus 280 for a top 20. I think I'm in. I, I feel like I'd rather have plus 250. I think that's where my numbers say I, I'd punch that ticket. I just usually don't go, you know, in the placement market outside of the top 40. I know I did it with Gooch, but that was more of a number grab because my numbers seem to absolutely love him. Um, it's the only concern there is I'm already exposed to day in the outright market and the form, but you know, everything he checks every single box and mentioned that. So I don't hate it, but I, I do not think that'll be an impact play for me on that one. I think it probably makes the most logical sense, um, to maybe even push it a little bit higher up the board. Um, you know, potentially a, a top 10 at seven to one might be the better way to play it just because the exposure risk goes down there. Um, that's something I was considering also with it. And it kind of goes into similar mentality because I like your Gooch play too. It's one of those golfers where you have a high ceiling, but a really low floor. When you get those spots, you, you always want to make sure that you don't land in any of these weird locations where uh, you're becoming overexposed into these, into these bets. I prefer the top 10 bet to the top 20 bet. Definitely. 
I might switch that and end up making that a top 10 because that was my initial inclination looking at the situation also. I mean, technically there's value on both numbers that I have, but um, technically the trajectory inside of my model would push this higher. Like he's one of those players where a top 10 makes more logical sense from an EV sense than going the other way, just from an exposure. Um, and then the last two I will give, I don't know where you guys will stand on these two, but Andrew Putnam, top 40 plus 260. Denny McCarthy, top 40 plus 130. I think uh, the Putnam's a good number grab. Uh, yeah, um, I like both of them. They uh, The only concern with Putnam is just how short he is off the tee, similar to Harmon. Like, both of them are in great form. Pretty much the same player, just a righty or lefty, and Brian Harmon waggles it 20 times before he swings. Um, we don't have to talk about that because that'll get me all fired up. But I like Denny. I think Denny's Denny's just playing awesome, awesome golf. He's getting longer off the tee, too. He's becoming a ball striker with the iron play. He's not just a guy that's going to light up the greens. I like Denny a lot. I agree. I like Denny a lot. Um, Putnam's a pass for me. But McCarthy, I could potentially get there at plus 130. The putter is just so elite. It's, it's him and Cam Smith in their own uh, stratosphere putting putting wise um it's absolutely absurd what he what he's doing um and with that second place finish in the playoff against victor hovland at the memorial show that he could really do it on a big boy golf course uh i i really liked denny mccarthy i think he was 100 to 1 if i could have gotten him at like 125 or 150 i would have considered him for the outright card but if he's in contention watch out especially if the weather's crazy because he can still roll the rock and score and pull something out that a lot of guys can't do. Yeah. There's obviously a different in the price points here, looking at McCarthy and Putnam. So this answer that I'm going to give should make logical sense based off of that. Um, to me, the upside of what Putnam puts together is he finishes in, you know, 27th, 32nd place. I do think at nearly three to one, it's an intriguing price, but for talking about actual ability to compete in this tournament and give yourself a little bit more wiggle room on this top 40 bet while still possessing the safety. I do believe, I mean, obviously you're asking a lot in this situation, but I do believe McCarthy has legitimate win potential mm -hmm. this week. Um, I considered him as an outright bet. Like that's probably as close as I came to somebody that didn't actually make my card. And it just came down to the number that I didn't actually have enough value in some of these spots. And I'm very, exposed on my card as, as it is to begin with. Like, I'm not going to have a ton of room for in-tournament bets. I technically have a little bit more room that I could add a McCarthy if I wanted to, but I'm, as of this moment, I've decided to at least save the little exposure that I have left if I do want to add something, because if I add McCarthy, the card's over at this point. I also wanted to add that I have a Nick Bretwich style. If this bet hits, you may never hear from me ever again. Uh, I bet oh, Taylor Moore... Got? 500 to one. Um, please, Taylor, if, if it happens, it'll be amazing. Um, we'll miss you, but you better invite me to your island to play some golf. <laughs> you know what's you know what's really sad about this? And we talked about this last week. Um, Keith Mitchell obviously didn't qualify. Steven Yeager's not in this tournament. I wish those two golfers were here. Uh, those would probably be players that I would have placement bets on. I would have gone back to Keith Mitchell. That was one of the biggest disparities I've ever seen in my model. He was my best bet last week on the show at 66th or better. He finishes through the first two days, third in ball striking. He absolutely implodes himself off the course with the putter in the around the green game. Uh, I think this would have been a great course fit for him with the total driving that he brings to the table, like, like legitimate course fit to where 
like I gave that answer about McCarthy. I can't imagine Mitchell would not have been on my outright wagers and we would have gotten an inflated number and very similar answer for Jaeger. So those were to me, the two golfers that didn't make this tournament that pained me the most because I thought they had top 10 potential or better. This year on the PGA tour, Patrick Cantley is first in total driving Keith Mitchell second. Um, I texted you guys on Friday afternoon. I can't wait to make this bet on Keith Mitchell in the open and he's not qualified. Uh, so he's in the Barracuda. He's got the third shortest odds on bet three, six, five. And your boy, Steven Yeager is the betting favorite at 17 to one. Um, I've got one final placement market bet here. Corey Connors, 51st or better mentioned why I really like him. The ball flight, the ball striking overall. Um, if he like Nick, you, like you mentioned, the short game metrics are a little bit spooky, but for top 40, we got a little bit of leeway there. And I think that he's good enough to ball strike his way to the top 40. And then if he gets a little bit lucky with the wind and maybe has an outlier performance, he could win the tournament as well. But I like him for the floor, the, the high floor and the potentially high ceiling. Fellas, you ready to get into our rapid fire round? Yes. So Spencer, uh, you already answered this one, but you really like Scotty Scheffler this week. Uh, Nick, if I gave you a 10 to 1 ticket on Scheffler or McElroy, which one would you take? John Rom. <laughs> all right we like rombo then um how about if i gave you a an outright ticket on one of these guys in this 20 to 24 range uh brooks kepka victor hovland tommy fleetwood ricky fowler or tyrell hatton uh if you've already mentioned that you bet on one of these guys who's the second guy you'd like the most in that range i'll start with you Nick. i'd go with hovland uh, I know it's a trendy pick. Everybody's talking about Hovland, but his game is in great form. He's due for a major soon. I think this is a course that fits him well, especially now that the scrambling and short game is on the come up. Uh, I think this is a really good spot for him. Yeah, I, I've listened to the rules this week, so I won't give Hatton as my choice. Hatton would have been the decision I would have given. Um, I will double down on what Nick said and say Victor Hovland. I go Brooks Kepka. It's a major championship, but... I really like all five of these guys, and there's an extremely high probability that I bet on one of these guys live. Uh, I couldn't figure out a way to differentiate between a lot of these guys, so yeah. I'm going to let them do that for me, and I'll ride with them. Uh, next up, Xander Shoffley, Shane Lowry, Jordan Spieth, Dustin Johnson. Which one of those guys would you punch a ticket on at 35-1, to 1, uh, if whom you already haven't uh, so far? Nick? Who are the first two again? The first two were Xander Shoffley and Shane Lowry. Xander. Uh, Dustin would be my runner up there. I worry a little bit about the long iron play for Dustin. We absolutely loved him last year, and that was one of the reasons. Still breaks my heart. I was one Dustin Johnson birdie away from winning the Millionaire Maker this week. Uh, last year, he drove the green on 18 and three putt. So, Absolute heartbreaker. Hate talking about it, but we loved Dustin last year just because it was going to be a lot of that short 50 to 100 iron play, the wedges there, and that's what he excels at. Um, but give me Xander. I think he's, you know, I'm always going to choose Xander when it's pretty much him and Scotty, Rory, and Rom are not part of that conversation. So give me Xander, my boy. Yeah, I like Xander would obviously be my choice there too. I have the outright bet on him. And I guess Nick, you and I are just full of contradictions today based off of some of these answers. Like this is not like where, this is not where everybody would expect me to go based off of answers I've just given seven minutes ago on, on this podcast. I'm out on Lowry. I thought his ball, I mean, if you want to talk about ball striking over or ball striking being terrible and the putter over achieving, 
This was a bet that I released on Action Network on Saturday night. It was Tommy Fleetwood over Shane Lowry. There was like a 11 or 12 shot disparity when you look at the ball striking versus the baseline putting. Lowry was all sorts of awful last week. Um, like, like he should have missed the cut if we're really being honest about it. So I'm out on Lowry. I think Dustin's okay for a lot of the reasons that Nick talked about. I don't necessarily want to get there. I guess I'm going to say Jordan Spieth just because I do think if he puts the pieces together, there is the potential that, you know, he he goes out and he wins the golf tournament. I lean with what your answer is, Roberto, where he eventually makes a mistake over one of these four days. But I wouldn't be shocked if he's actually in position at some point. Like the positive numbers in my model when I ran this for upside are there. It's just the safety numbers for a head-to-head sort of wager is where everything went south for him. But I, I don't mind Jordan's speed. I don't think the numbers in the market are conducive to place a wager right now but I I think when you're directly comparing him to all the names that you mentioned removing Xander from the mix here probably has the highest ceiling of anybody here let's go down a little bit to the 45 to 55 to 1 range Matt Fitzpatrick's 45 to 1 Tom Kim is 50 to 1 Justin Rose 55 to 1 and Wyndham Clark your reigning U.S. Open winner 55 to 1 I think Spencer we said that Wyndham Clark was when he was 100 to 1 at the U.S. Open should be around 40 50 to 1 that's where he's at now. Among those four guys, if I gave you a 70 to one ticket or a 60 to one ticket on one of them, which one would you take? I'll start with you, Nick. Ooh, Spencer, what's your answer here? That's a tough range. So I feel weird giving this answer because this player came out, I believe yesterday and said, he's not winning this golf tournament. Bits, and this yeah. Is, yeah <laughs> I, I like Fitzpatrick though. I think I don't understand that comment. I would think link style golf courses are perfect for him. He's the, He's one of the better, like I took him out of, off my outright card consideration just because I didn't want to hear that comment. And then all of a sudden back him. But if you could tell me I could get a 70 to one on him. Like I'm going to blindly take a shot on that number. I mean, the last, last three open championships, T21, T26, T20. What is, what's his concern? If anything, his iron play has gotten better for sure year, year after year. So he's a more, and he's longer off the tee. Like everything about his game has gotten better. He's still a short game stud. So the scrambling is not going to be an issue. We know we could rain putts. So I don't know. I don't know if that's smoke and mirrors type of comment, but I was going to say Fitzpatrick, but I'm a little bit concerned that he said that too, but it is what it is. I mean, his numbers are across the board, just different everywhere. You see 33 to one out there, 40 to one out there, 55 to one out there. Like no one can really all over the place. Yeah, so I, I don't know if some books obviously are are taking more risk on Matt Fitzpatrick. Some are just getting nothing in on him, or you know, a lot of these automated books will kind of just follow suit with everybody else. So it's kind of hard to read there. So I don't know, but I, I guess Fitz would be my answer as well. He'd be mine as well. And I know some people are saying that Fitz saying that about his game not matching up well with Link style golf courses gives off vibes from 2021 when Colin Morikawa said. I don't like the way my <laughs> clubs are striking the turf out here. And then he went out and won the tournament. So, uh, and he also just said he didn't like links golf at that point in his career either. And then he went out and won. Um, so take that for, with a grain of salt. Moving on uh, a little bit lower here, Tony, or we already mentioned Tony Fino, so I won't mention him, but Cameron Young, 60 to one favorite son of the podcast. Bryson DeChambeau, also 60 to one. Sam Burns, same price. JT 65 to one, along with Minwoo Lee, who was half the price last week. He's 65 to one this week. And then Scotland's own Robert McIntyre, 65 to one. If I gave you guys a 75 to one ticket on one of those 
handful of guys. Which one would you take? Bryson. Mm. I think without question, Bryson. I think it's a tough question. Like I, I, I would rather, I would rather roll it over and just take my seventy to one ticket that you're giving to me on Matthew Fitzpatrick at that point. Um, <laughs> I think there are ways to consider Cameron Young. I think he's another golfer that I don't necessarily think he's going to win this golf tournament, but I think the public perception around him has gone way too far south. I guess though, based off of those names. I will say Sam Burns just because of his ability to play in the wind. I go JT just for pure upside, but I think he has the lowest. He also floor can play in the wind. Picks. Yeah, that's fair. Minwoo also has a low floor. Um, yeah, Minwoo is an. I don't know if I believe Minwoo is going to win. I really like Minwoo as a player. Like that, at some point, he's going to put something together that's going to be wild, and he, he's going to win something big. And now that we have him on the PGA Tour more moving forward, like I think he's a very intriguing young player that has a really high ceiling any single week that he plays. The short game for him is really intriguing, and he's yeah. below average with the approach play. But once he figures that out, watch out. Uh, yeah, still just sure. 24 years old. Fellas, who do you think is the player with the longest odds who has a realistic chance of winning this golf tournament this week? I'm, I'm going to say Jason Day. Yeah, that's what I'm going to say too. I, I think like that's – I mean, if we want to get really deep onto this board and just start – throwing out like like players that are in the 200s all of a sudden i mean i don't know if i believe chris kirk can win but i mean chris kirk in, in any of those prices that he's at thought abraham answer was intriguing i kind of liked him a little bit this week but i mean that's like your shot in the dark randomly throwing a uh, a bullet onto the board and just hoping that you hit something there but um i think like realistic option to win probably jason day maybe Dietrich. I know we don't want to say his name much oh, anymore, but I mean he's got the complete game. Do we think yeah. that if all hell like breaks loose, but... if all hell breaks loose, there's wind coming in sideways 30, 40 miles per hour during one wave or all day? We could get some weather variants. It works out. Maybe one of these non top tier players, none of the players or some player at really long odds pops up. Um, sure. Some guys who intrigue me who don't have the necessary distance off the tee. Nick Taylor, Abraham Answer uh, are guys whom I like their chances potentially. Um, I haven't punched outright tickets on them yet, but I'm intrigued by them. Uh, maybe somebody else who's a good putter. I did punch that Taylor Moore 500 to one ticket. Um, he's someone who can spike in a variety of ways, but also isn't super consistent. Um, I'm intrigued by a handful of guys down there. I'm, I'm actually seeing... Um, Denny McCarthy, 140 to one here on bet 365. So I might have to make it. I like that. Yeah. Throw McCarthy into play. that mix for sure, too. Like if we're talking deeper than day, it would probably be McCarthy, answer, uh, Kirk for me. I like Dietrich a little bit. I mean, I'm sure, Nick, you're going back to Alex Norton this week. No, God. I <laughs> ban me. Don't ever let me do it again, guys. I, I, I won money last week so on well Alex Norton. He played. So well the first week too. Yeah, you got the round one matchup. Thank you for for giving me the heads up there. But oh my god, it's so frustrating. I guess maybe the only other guy in that range, and the putter's just so bad, and the scrambling is likely going to be bad. But he's got the pedigree and has done it before, and can handle these if the conditions go off the rails. Is maybe Gary Woodland at two hundred to one. But so other than that, I, yeah, wrong win player. I want pedigree here. 
Yeah, Woodland was a golfer that I, I like. My model doesn't love him, and he was initially when I wrote up my my first article over at Rotoball, he was a fade candidate for me. I've taken that stance out off the board just because he's such a strong win player. He has major championship pedigree, and then we look at total driving specifically for this course. He was sixth overall in my model. I do think that that's a really intriguing profile, and you know I don't know where Seamus Power is with his game after withdrawing last week. Um, if you could promise me he was healthy, I, I do think it opens a really nice test for him also. What do you guys think about Joaquin Neiman this week? He's someone whom we've discussed like previously for major championships. I'm seeing him at 165 to one on bet 365. Thoughts? To me, I, I, like, I guess the reason why I gave answer over Neiman is just because you can get a deeper price on answer. And I thought they were very similar players to one another. Um, so if I'm going to just be like randomly throwing a dart in this spot, give me the guy that's the deeper odds when I pretty much have the same profile on them. But no, I, I think Neiman with his ability to create low ball flight for himself, uh, for his ability to play in the wind, there's a lot of metrics that work out really nicely for him for this tournament. Um, I have no issues with anybody who wants to back him as a triple digit, uh, shot there. He's someone whom I haven't found a way to put on my card yet, but I think there's a better chance than not that he finds a way up there eventually. Uh, matchup bet here, Alex Noren and Phil Mickelson. They're both 250 <laughs> to one. Which one would you take? <laughs> I mean, I think this is a really easy I, choice. I, but I mean, it would have to be he who shall not be named. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I think, uh, I think, look, Noren last week, I, I will mention him. I, I, I have... I guess I'm just immune to it at this point with him. Um, I, I thought he played he played well the first day. Like his numbers, he I, he should have been better on the leaderboard than he was, and then he implodes on the second day. But I don't know. I mean, I'm I'm Phil's 111th in my model. Norin is 40 somethingth for me. There's a pretty big difference there. Where I'd rather take a chance on Norin. Uh, you would think historically an Open Championship should be the venue that would suit him. Well, fellas, we'll get it out of here on that one. So that'll do it for today's episode. Thanks for joining us here on Links and Locks presented by Bet365. As a reminder, the Links and Locks podcast is proudly presented by Bet365, the world's favorite sportsbook brand. Sign up with promo code ACTION to get Bet365's exclusive sign-up offer. Bet $1 in any game and get $200 in bonus bets. Must be 21 or older. Offers available in Colorado, New Jersey, Ohio, Virginia, and Iowa in the U.S. Gambling problem? Call or text 1-800-GAMBLER. For more great golf content from our Action Network team, check out our Best Bets episode from, early, from earlier this week featuring the Action Network's Jason Sobel and Ben Everill. Uh, be sure to check out actionnetwork.com and the Action app for all of our great golf betting and DFS content. You can find Nick on Twitter at StixPicks. You can find Spencer on Twitter at TeeOffSports. You can find me on Twitter at RobertoA213. Nick, where else, where else can we find your work this week? Yeah, at Better Golf Pod on Twitter and... Also, we'll be hosting a underdog draft for Thursday's round at the Open Championship on Twitter tomorrow. So if you're free, uh, check out the link that we'll drop tomorrow. Join the draft and try to beat the hell out of Spencer and I in some uh, some fantasy golf tomorrow. That sounds fun. Spencer, where else can we find you this week? I mean, if you are doing that draft, make sure not to take Jason Day from us. That would be a reason to get banned and not included back into the mix again. But you can find me over on action network uh two and one last week on head-to-head -head matchups found a little bit more value in the market hopefully that will continue this week but 
Uh, fun tournament, a, a lot to talk about with weather. I think that's my biggest key of a piece of advice for everybody out there is just make sure, you know, obviously you're going to have to get some bets in. You're going to have to make sure that you can get the best of the numbers here, but uh, be very cognizant of the weather because that is the real defense of any link style European golf course. And that's no different here. The, the wide open nature of this facility without the trees that can back everything and with the out of bounds that comes into play numerous times in different various locations, uh, there's going to be some big numbers to be had. And, you know, I'm hoping that we get a winning score that is, I mean, like, I think it was 17 under, 18 under uh, the two times that Rory and Tiger won it. I'd like to see something that's closer to the single digits. So that's what I'm rooting for this week. Previously was a par 72, now a par 71 with one of those par fives being converted to a par four. So I think it's safe to say it's going to be in that eight to 12 under range, uh, depending on wind and rain and the conditions. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Roberto 213 I'll also have a first round leader article out on Action Network tomorrow. So be sure to check that out. Uh, Tea Times came out earlier today. So I'm going to dive in, figure out what's going to go on with the weather. One thing I love about the Open is that there's no split tees. Everybody tees off from the first tee and you get to see him play in chronological order every hole. And there's more golf to watch because of that. So ton of fun with the sun not going down till like nine or 10 o'clock over there uh, in the UK. But thanks again for everyone for tuning in. Here's to hoping you hit the green this week at the 151st Open Championship. And you are the champion golf better of the year. Action Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.